Welcome to the Byesville Assembly of God podcast. We are a church of connection with God, with people, and our community. Join us each week for powerful messages from God's Word presented by our lead pastor, Dustin Dyke. And now, this week's message. Well, this morning I'd like to begin by reading some letters that children have written to pastors over the years. And these letters were written throughout the years to different pastors by kids in their congregation. And this is what it says from the first one. Dear Pastor, are there any devils on earth? I think there may be one in my class from Carla, age 10. Uh, Next one. I know God loves everybody, but he never met my sister. Yours sincerely, Arnold, age 8. Another one. I'm sorry I can't leave more money in the plate, but my father didn't give me a raise in my allowance. So, Pastor, could you have a sermon about a raise in my allowance? Love, Patty, age 10. Next one. I'd like to go to heaven one day because I know that my brother won't be there. From Stephen, age 8. The next one. I think a lot more people would come to your church if you moved it to Disneyland. From Lorene, age 9. Next one says, my father says I should learn the Ten Commandments, but I don't want to have any more rules because there's already enough in my own house. From Joshua, age 10. Another one here says, how does God know the good people from the bad people? Do you tell him or does he read about it in the newspapers? Sincerely, Marie, age 9. Another one says, I liked your sermon on Sunday, especially when it was finished. From Ralph, age 11. Next one says, my father should be a minister. He gives us a sermon every day about something. From Robert, age 11. And the last one, one of my favorites, it says this, dear pastor, please say a prayer for our little league team. We need God's help or a new pitcher. Thank you, Alexander, age 10. You know, we can see from all these statements that kids think of the most interesting and funny things, but most of all, they're honest. Right? Most of them just tell you what they're thinking, and I have a lot of respect for kids in this regard. They're real, what you see is what you get, and you never really have to wonder what they are thinking. And what I found about Jesus is that he is also very genuine. What you see is what you get, and he'll tell you like it is, and he'll meet you where you're at. This is the aspect I want us to understand today. Jesus will meet you where you're at. You don't have to get to a certain point morally in order for Jesus to see you or associate with you. Jesus wants relationship with you right where you're at, and we're going to see this in action today. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. If you're new to our church or you're visiting with us today, we want to welcome you and let you know that we utilize the YouVersion Bible app. That's the YouVersion Bible app, in our, and we have our message notes in there and our scriptures that we're going through throughout the morning. You can download that by searching YouVersion Bible app on your phone, either in the App Store if you have an Apple phone or the Play Store if you have an Android phone, and download that YouVersion Bible app because it's not only good for helping us in our church services with the messages and everything, but it's also good for you because you can use it to read God's Word throughout the week. If you forget your paper Bible somewhere, you can take that YouVersion Bible app out. You have the Bible with you at all times times. In John chapter 4, it's where we'll be at this morning, people began to understand more about Jesus and his ministry, and the Pharisees really did not like it. Jesus knew the Pharisees were upset, 
And he fled the area that he was currently ministering in, and he was traveling through Samaria in a city called Sychar. This was close to Jacob's well that we read about in the Old Testament. Jesus goes to this well to rest from his journey while his disciples go to get some food from town. Let's pick it up in John chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 in the English Standard Version. It says, Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Point number one is Jesus' practical need. Jesus and the woman are by this well, and the Bible says that it was about the sixth hour. Translated from Roman times back then to our current time, the sixth hour was about noon as they started their hours at sunup, which is about 6 a.m. So about noontime, what we would refer to it as, the disciples were grabbing a bite to eat in town, okay? And Jesus meets this woman at the well, and he meets her at a practical need. Jesus is weary from his travels, and up walks this woman, and he asks her for a drink, The most important thing that we got to remember here is that Jesus had an end goal, and that end goal was to help her believe that he is the Messiah and to give her new life in Christ. But in order to do this, in order to help her, he meets her at a practical need, the need for water, the need for physical sustenance. We ought to follow the same example as we're going out and being, make, being disciple makers in the world around us. People need to know that they're cared about and that someone accepts them right where they're at. And the best way to witness is to meet people where they're at and begin a conversation. This is exactly what Jesus did, and his example is a great example for us to follow. So Jesus asks for a drink, but the woman asks Jesus why he is asking her for a drink since he is a Jew and she is a Samaritan. See, Jews and Samaritans didn't typically associate together because they were in different social classes. But Jesus continues anyway. John chapter 4 verse 10, it says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Point number two is Jesus offers living water. This is the time that Jesus begins to hint at who he he is to the woman and gives her a clue as to what he offers. He is offering living water, but this is not the same physical drinking water. He is telling her about a spiritual living water that comes from new life in Jesus Christ. He offers living water, and the woman tells Jesus that He didn't come with a bucket to draw water from the well and also inquires about how Jesus could offer this living water that is better than water from Jacob's well. She asked if he was better than Jacob. And listen, we've got to understand that the message of Jesus has stood the test of time from then all the way until now. Jesus knew that there was a living water that he could offer her that would stand the test of time. John chapter, 13, or John chapter 4, verses 13 through 15 says, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Point number three is the woman wants the living water. 
See, Jesus told her that everyone who drinks from the water from Jacob's well will be thirsty again. It's inevitable. We continue to drink water throughout the day and throughout the week and throughout the month and the year, and, and it goes on and on and on. Because we need water, we come back to it because we need it every day. But here's the inference here again. Jesus said that she will never thirst again if she has his living water, and the water that he gives her will, in a sense of the word, reproduce itself. And what Jesus said was become a spring of water that will never run dry. And so she asks for the water. And I've got to tell you, I've got that living water. And I can attest to you that it surely does become a spring of living water, a spring that will never run dry. Jesus is everything to me, and I've experienced life transformation in Jesus Christ. I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, and I've asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Formerly, I lived my own way. I did my own thing, and I found that what this world offers does not satisfy for an eternity. It satisfies in a moment, but that moment is nothing in comparison to what Jesus offers for eternity. I asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life, Right after my senior year of high school, I surrendered everything over to him. Out of a life of sin and death, he saved me into a life of freedom, and I experienced this new life. I've got that living water, and I encourage you to drink of that living water as well. So the woman wants this water, and then Jesus asks her to go get her husband. John chapter 4, verses 17 through 18 says, the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you, said, what you have said is true. Point number four is Jesus reveals our hearts. In a moment, Jesus uncovers for her that she knows about the life that she is living she has had five husbands, and the one she's living now is not her husband. And in society back then, living with someone before you were married was not acceptable. If you did so, you were not viewed very well at all. In today's day and age, living with someone before you're married has unfortunately become very acceptable in society. I've heard it said that you've got to test the waters to just make sure that your marriage is going to work out, so you've got to live together before you're married, when in all reality... We believe that the Bible clearly teaches to live a life of purity, and we believe that living with someone before you're married leads to all kinds of difficulties spiritually. Now, does the Bible state, do not live with your significant other before you're married? No, it does not. But God's Word does teach about the importance of living a life of purity, and we believe that to live a life of purity, you must guard your heart against all sexual impurity, and no matter how strong you think you are, good luck, because we're all humans. And living with someone of the opposite gender before you're married can lead and will lead to temptations that you don't want to be experiencing before you're married. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Scripture says to guard your heart. So therefore, one of the things you can do to guard your heart and protect yourself from giving in to this kind of sexual temptation is to not live with your significant other before you get married so that you can exemplify Christian purity. See, God's Word exemplifies the importance and sanctity of marriage. And as we see Jesus talking to this woman, He is revealing her heart and areas in which she may not be happy about, but Jesus states that the man she's living with is not her husband, and, and then she recognizes that this man must be a prophet, is what she said. John four twenty five and 26 says, the woman said to Him, 
I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Point number five is Jesus reveals himself. Jesus told her that he was the long-awaited Messiah and revealed who he really was to her. See, Jesus wants us to know who he really is. And this meant a lot to her because she was living a life that she didn't want to live and she was given this living water and she couldn't contain herself as we read in the next few verses. John chapter 4 verses 28 through 29. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? At this moment, she believed in the Lord Jesus. You might doubt this because she didn't pray some sinner's prayer and ask for forgiveness right after a church service and everything. But here's the thing. We have it more difficult because Jesus isn't walking around in the form of a man nowadays. This woman was in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And because she was in front of him, she believed his words about who he was and began to tell people all around her town who she had met and that he was the Messiah. But wait a second here. She, she hadn't taken a class on evangelism. So how could she share her faith? Well, I don't know. Well, she didn't get a doctorate in sharing her faith and in evangelism and in telling others about Jesus. What's the deal here? Now, I'm not knocking degrees in further education because I think that's important, but this woman became the first witness for Jesus because she had an experience with Jesus Christ that she won't soon forget. She had not had a degree. She had not had training. She just met the Savior, and that was enough for her to go and tell everybody about who she met. It was right here that she believed in her Lord and Savior, and she became a great witness for Jesus. She received that living water, and I would bet you that she never thirsted again for that spiritual living water. She was formerly looking for love in all the wrong places, living with men she wasn't married to, trying to find true love in the form of a human being. But in this moment, she received the love that only a father, God, could give to her. Wow. She loved Jesus, and she was given the living water that she needed. But do you see what Jesus did? Jesus didn't condemn her to hell because of her sin, but he walked with this woman in her pain, brought up some things that were sin, yes, and pointed her to the truth. And this is what we're to do as Christians witnessing. We can't have the joyful message of grace without mentioning sin. It's not the popular way to go, but we are separated from God because of our sin. And that's what makes grace so great. It brings us into the relationship with our Father. And this morning, as we close, I want us to understand the importance of this. Just as we began about talking about how honest and genuine kids are, maybe it's time that you're honest with yourself about your spiritual state. As we talked about living water this morning, maybe you are at a point that you're ready to drink, of course, figuratively, of this spiritual living water. Maybe you've been searching for your sustenance and your livelihood in the things of this world, and you found that those things just aren't satisfying anymore. Maybe you're trying to 
live a life on your own and you're just done trying to figure it out by yourself. If you want this living water that will allow you to never thirst again, I want to invite you to accept Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that we've all made mistakes. None of us that entered this room today has lived a perfect life. And if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your invitation to do so. You see, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. As we close this morning, would you bow your head and close your eyes and just reflect on what God is revealing to our hearts today? Just bow your head, close your eyes, really think. Just say, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to my heart what I need to know today? And today, if you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, either as a recommitment or a first-time commitment, I'm going to pray a prayer that I would just encourage you to repeat after me this morning. Let's pray that prayer. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And be the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead. Help me to turn from my sin. And live for you. For the rest of my life. And into eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to encourage you and, and let you know that we are, first of all, very excited for you and very happy for you in this decision that you've made. also want to let you know that we have some next steps that we want to pass along to you as a resource if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, we have this really great book. It's called The New Believer's Handbook, and this New Believer's Handbook is a great eight-week journey that you take with one of our uh, disciple disciplees, uh, our disciple makers, so to speak, here at church. We have a group of people um, that have been trained in disciple uh, helping and disciple encouraging. And so uh, if that's something that you are interested in as you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to give that to you and set you up with, uh, with one of our people in our discipleship ministry. So let's pray as we close out together this morning. Dear Jesus, I pray a special blessing on everyone that's joined us this morning, and I pray that you would bless them as we go. God, I pray that you would help us to be disciple makers in the world around us. Help us to be obedient when you ask us to do things and ask us to say things. Help us to be confident in the words and, and actions that you've given us to do and say in this world. And ultimately, help us to continue to grow in our relationship with God and be an encouragement to those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening this week. If this program has been a blessing to you, we hope you will reach out and connect with us online at our website at buysvilleag.org or connect with us on our social media platforms. On Facebook, it's Buysville Assembly of God or on Instagram, it's at Buysville AG. Have a wonderful week.